Welcome to Modern Motherhood, where you're required to be everything, to everyone, all the time. We wouldn't have it any other way, but let's be honest, it's hard work. So let's talk about it, all of it, in the raw, with no filter. Come and be a fly on the wall as you listen in on a chat between friends, as each week welcomes a new guest and a new topic to delve deeper around the ins and outs of not only motherhood, but life in general. The ups, the downs, the struggles, the highlights, the reality. Because the reality is, you're not alone. We're all in this together. You're listening to Mummy Republic. Welcome to the whirlwind. Hello, lovely, and welcome to another episode of the Mummy Republic podcast. I'm your host, Danny, and I can't wait to get stuck into today's episode. But before we do, I want to give a quick shout out to username Carly's88, who left a five-star review for me and a beautiful comment on iTunes. She says, incredible. Loved the podcast just as much as the first. So important to hear from real women going through real life experiences that people rarely talk openly about. Infertility, miscarriage, surrogacy, illness, anxiety, grief, guilt. So reassuring to hear honest opinions to help people experiencing these things or who are supporting others with the same battles. Amazing podcast, Danny. You are a natural. Well, thank you so much for that beautiful feedback. I certainly have the intention of talking about things that we don't talk about enough. So I really appreciate you leaving those notes for me. If you'd like to do the same, you can jump on over to iTunes, leave a rating and also a comment so you can let other users know what they're in for or just to let me know what you love about the podcast. Now, if you haven't done so already, make sure that you also hit that subscribe button. It is completely free to do, but it will let you know when the episodes are available and if there's any bonus episodes. So you won't want to miss those. Now, today's episode, we do delve deep into a couple of mental health issues, including anxiety, but also touching on domestic violence. So if any of these areas are a little bit of sensitive topic for you, you may wish to sit this one out. The choice is completely yours, but either way, let's get started. Welcome. Today's guest is one of the OG mommy bloggers. Uh, she has been around for quite some time and probably started her blog when blogging before before it really became a thing. Now, today is the epitome of mum life. We're sitting in your kitchen while Max is watching Toy Story. Uh, I'd like to welcome the amazing Lauren Kate. Hi. Hi. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so I'm so excited to have you on. Now, Tell us how you got started because you did start the Mad Max Mum probably at the the height of when blogging started to take off. So what did that look like for you? Uh, Well, back then it was called the Prego Diaries as I'd just gotten pregnant with Max and kind of needed a way to, I guess, express uh, hormonal emotions. (laughs) So many of those. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, their dad did not want to deal with it. So I uh, started my website and just started to just write whatever I felt like I needed to and not thinking that anyone would read it. I think I shared it on my personal Facebook and I was like, guys, I've started this blog, you know, I'm sharing my history of mental health that I've dealt with in my teenage years, have a read if you want. And then, uh, cause my Instagram wasn't overly impressive back then, not that it is now, but, um, 
<laughs> it is. It is. But it was just a whole bunch of gym selfies back then. So for me to kind of share a, a blog was kind of out of the norm for myself. But I did it anyway and it just got picked up by the right people, I guess. And I yeah. started writing for different uh, parenting websites and magazines and it only changed to Mad Max Mum when I realised, oh shit, I'm not going to be pregnant forever. So I was trying to think of a name as to what to call it and it came to me when I, well, we'd worked out Max's name and I was having my pregnancy massage, I think it was like 32 weeks, it's like the last time you can have one and I was face down in this table and I was like, shit, I've got it. Mad, like Mad Max, because Maddie and Max and I'm a mum. I'm like, shit, well, there we Genius. go. And I walked to that place like, boom, let's go. I was ready to go. And it, yeah, my name changed from there. And yeah, it, it literally just did its own thing. I just happened to write it. <laughs> yep. And I think though it did its own thing because you've always been so honest and candid about topics that quite often we don't talk about or at the time we definitely didn't talk about and I think that's why it got a lot of traction. Um, did you ever expect it to turn into what it has? Oh, shit, no. No, <laughs> never. I I never knew back then, you know, with social media and blogs and everything along those lines, like I always just saw it as a way and I still see it the same way as a way to share my life or what I want to share and be honest and and I never knew it had the power that it did. And when I did realise that, I realised how many people I could help. Yep. And that was a really powerful thing because, especially with mental health, which was very stigmatised, even when I started my blog, it still didn't have the the understanding that we've got now. So to write about it was still a little bit taboo, but I found really therapeutic. And obviously other people found it very helpful for their own journeys and it just, I don't know. It, yeah, I've never really felt the need to kind of sugarcoat shit and that's not the type of person I am. So why do it online? If anything, I'm I'm not overly, like I'm not going to share things that are going to hurt other people. That's not what I do. But I've shared enough to be able to maybe change one or two, you know, however many lives. Yeah. Just to give yep. someone a bit of boost when they need it the most. A hundred percent. And I think um, you definitely don't sugarcoat things, but it's what we need in those in the instance of those topics. Now, one of the things you have been really honest about and you're still to this day really honest about is anxiety. So when did that begin for you? When did you start to experience anxiety and depression? Uh, at the age of 16, I was diagnosed. I was always a super outgoing and really just carefree type kid. I was really good at school, really sporty. Um, and then I, uh, got myself into a really violent relationship at the beginning of year 12 and it didn't take me long to kind of just completely switch into a different person. And I remember sitting at home and I'd be crying all the time, not knowing why. And my face broke out in these horrible cystic acne, everything all over my face. I couldn't wear makeup. I, it was horrible. And so my folks took me to a doctor and obviously did the mental health test and was diagnosed with very severe um, anxiety and depression and went home, sat next to the pool with my feet in the water and I just remember saying to mum, I'm like, this, why? Why me? I don't even understand. I don't even know what it is. Why do I have it? 
And from then on, it was just a massive journey of medications and psychologists. And it was, I obviously stayed with that boyfriend for quite a while, um, pretty much most of year 12. And it just got worse and worse and worse. And I mean, anyone that's been in a, a domestic violence relationship would know that the manipulation that you put under in that circumstance, you don't realise how bad everything is. You just are kind of mm. stuck on that one person thinking that life will end if they're not there and my life was going to end by my own hands at that stage because I was in so much pain and I didn't realise how much better life would get once I had left that relationship. It just took me a long time and a lot of medication and leaving school um, one or two months out from graduating to get that, you know, I needed to get out of that and start again but unbeknownst to me holding back all that pain that I was going through would just make me sicker in the future so I had no idea. Did your parents know that that was the catalyst? No no I kept that from anyone. Um, My parents knew that obviously everything kind of began happening when he came along so they knew that something was going on but they definitely didn't know about the physical aspect of it. Um, There you know I was pretty much told what to wear um, my mum went and bought really expensive foundation for my face because of my acne and I wasn't allowed to wear it. I Everything was kind of dictated, so I got really good at hiding anything that I needed to from them and I didn't tell them until it was over. It's <laughs> and- a, just, it just blows my mind because I think, you know, there's so many people who are in those domestic violence relationships and I think whether it's physical or mental, it's it still can be categorised as that. Hell yeah. But that's such a young age. It's terrifying. Yeah, I I obviously knew nothing about it. Um, you kind of, well, you're 17. You don't really know a lot about the world, even no. though you think you do. Or yourself. Yeah, you just absolutely no idea. And, like, I remember the first time I stood on his toe and I got slapped in the face and I thought, that doesn't feel normal. This, it's surely not normal. that's not okay. It's absolutely not normal. Yeah, and I thought, Oh, but then I still remember the the whole entire moment like it was yesterday and then, you know, obviously the blame was on me and I I said sorry. Mm. I, you know, I would absolutely never Mm. let that happen again. God forbid someone did it to my kids. My parents would have been the same if I had told them, so. Yeah, and it's so hard as a parent because you don't know what you don't know and you do what you can to help. Obviously leaving that relationship, the damage was sort of already done when it Mm -hmm. came to your mental health. Do you still suffer from anxiety now? Yeah, every yeah. most days of the week. It depends on what I've really let get to me. That's probably the biggest catalyst for the like for it these days. Um, for example, the kids just got back from their week of the holidays with the kids and uh, with their dad, and loneliness is mm. a real killer. The longer they were gone, the more anxious they got because, you know. <laughs> As bad as it sounds, like the kids add a lot of purpose to my life. And when the kids aren't here for that long, I feel like my purpose is also left with them. So my days were waking up with, you know, very tight chest and my heart racing and me going, as much as I love what I do, I love my clients, I, I love everything about it. Waking up in the morning like that, it took so much of me to not text all of my clients, be like, nope can't do it today I don't want to see anyone mm-hmm. and that's how I do get but when I'm with them I've got to be f- professional and and suck it up and you know part of your job as a trainer is to also be part counsellor so you're listening to other people's problems when in my head I'm like 
God, I just want to go back to bed right now. (laughs) It's still real and I think it's always going to be real with me. I just have to learn how to manage it. Do you think it changed when you did have the kids? Yes. Uh, I think I put a lot of my mental illness back when I was younger. Like I would confidently say I'd never live past my 21st birthday. Like I was just, I was that confident that I'd be dead. And from, from your own, from my own hands. And I did attempt probably two very serious times did I attempt to, um, which is why I was so confident that I wouldn't last too much longer. But obviously when I fell pregnant with Maddie, it just added this whole different aspect, different mindset, and obviously a lot of purpose into my life. And I look back now and as much as I hate to say that, you know, I wouldn't be alive without my kids, that puts a lot of pressure on them. Or I think anyway, I, you know, I, as someone that never thought they were going to be a mum, I don't know what I'd do if I wasn't a mum now. Mm. So the purpose of being able to look after them and provide something for them and I guess kind of pat myself on the back for the fact I do it by myself these days. It's like, holy shit, I would never have looked back 10 years ago and gone, I'd be able to handle that. Yeah. Never. <laughs> yeah, which and it is so much to handle, particularly when you're doing it on your own. And I know you're conscious of not putting that pressure on the kids, but do you feel like they saved you? Yep. Yep. Yeah. If I can be completely honest. Yes. Yeah. Well, I don't think they're going to listen to this, so. Yeah. <laughs> Matt and Max is really deep into Toy Story over there. Yeah. He's okay. <laughs> and Maddie doesn't really want to talk about anything unless it's JoJo, so. Yeah, look, I'm going to Fair call. Fair call. <laughs> so if you were to explain it to someone, because I think there's a lot of – there's a lot of stigma around anxiety, and I think now we do talk about it a lot more, but then it's almost people get concerned that it's just being thrown around too much. But mm-hmm. how would you explain anxiety to somebody who's never been through it before? It's stressing about something without rationalizing. It is, I mean, social anxiety is walking into the schoolyard thinking that every mum is looking at you and that someone's going to say something to you. and Probably no one's looking at you. It's just mm. thinking the worst of everything and just not being able to calm yourself down and, and rationalise pure thought and going through what's actually stressing you out and causing that. It's it's the height of the bad thoughts. And, and normally once you come out of that state of anxiety, you can clearly look back at it and go, oh, I didn't really need to do that. And it yeah. does take a long time to kind of work out that that's how you do it. Yeah. And a lot of times you'd probably suffer that in silence as well, right? Oh, yeah, because more often than not, anxiety will lock you in your house. Yeah. It will lock you in your car. <laughs> the amount of times I've gone to try and push myself and, you know, get myself, you know, working from home, get out to a cafe and have a coffee and do my work there, but then I'll get in the car with the best of intentions and drive around and in my head, my head's going, no cafe wants you there. No one wants, no one will be nice to you. Why bother going there? Don't do it. And then I'll end up coming home after an hour and a half of driving around. I've done that a lot of times. Mm. It stopped me from eating and having coffee at a lot of places. It's just something that seems absolutely absurd to someone that's never experienced it because it's like, just go to the cafe and have a coffee. Yeah. It seems simple, right? But it's not a simple fix. No, no. And it's very invisible. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yeah. So you said before, like obviously not having the kids is a bit of a trigger for you. Mm-hmm. What, are, what are other things that bring it on or can it just come out of nowhere? Uh, obviously everyday stresses. I mean, as a, a single mum, solo mum, 
I, you know, I'm only responsible for the for the finances in this house. I mean, if I don't make enough money that week, I've got no one else to fall back on. Mm-hmm. Um, if there's bills to pay, that's my responsibility. No one else's. Um, anything. It's. It, <laughs> I do everything on my own, and that does at times when I let it build up get very stressful, and my stress turns into anxiety. And I'm the type of person that, yes, I believe in talking to people, but I'm not a whinger. So Mm -hmm. I don't really like to go and talk to people until I've justified it in my own head as to what's stressing me out first, because I don't want to go and and complain about something that I haven't yet taken action to fix because I'm the only person responsible for it. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's really hard to explain, again, unless you've raised kids and had your own home and done it all on your own it's very hard to explain to someone that having an entire world put on your shoulders without someone to fall back on is it's a it's a big big uh trigger for me absolutely (laughs) and it's bloody hard Mm. like being a single parent is so hard for all of the reasons that you just cited but for so many more as well like the emotional and the physical exhaustion Mm. is just insane so you touched on before that you've you've seen psychologists you've been medicated what do you think has helped you the most in terms of treatments well back then I was super sick so I I used to overdose on my medication whenever I got the chance whenever I was left alone my mum and dad would come home from work and that packet was empty it was just who I was I just wanted to escape the world these days if I needed medication, I would take it. However, I've been on it in the past and I'm very clear-headed now to an extent that I know what will work for me. And over the years, I've obviously become a trainer for the a focus of mindset and mental health. And I meditate and I read books and I, you know, I spend my days helping other people work out and justify their thoughts and their anxiety. So when I'm not in the midst of an heightened anxiety, mm-hmm. I'm very level and clear-headed and can really kind of get myself out of any stressful situation in my head anyway. And I, yeah, when I say it out loud, it's just, I even talked to dad about it the other day because I was having a breakdown. He's like, why don't you get it back on medication? I was like, dad, because the type of person I am, when I'm in the height, I overdose. And mm. I know that now. So I can look back at the mistakes I've made in the past and, you know, make sure that it doesn't happen again with the future. So, I mean, nowadays it's kind of like I look at all the things I get to be grateful for, which is why sometimes I don't understand why I get so upset and so stressed and anxious. Because, yes, I, I'm still living by myself with the kids, but I have an amazing partner my kids are awesome. I have a supportive family and I have a really rewarding career. And you sit back and you say those things out loud and anyone would be like, Lauren, get the f- <laughs> You're fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But in my head, you do have your moments where it's like, okay, I just want to pity myself. Just give me five. Of and course you do. I don't do, need meds for that. That's, yeah, yeah. But I think you've got much more of a reason to steer away from that now as well with the kids. Yeah. And I think that everybody you know has so much to be grateful for irrespective Mm -hmm. of their situation but it you know anxiety or mental health doesn't discriminate so that's that's a key point as well absolutely um 
With your physical fitness, obviously being a personal trainer, have you found that that's been a really good outlet for you, exercise? Absolutely. That's why I became a trainer because when I first separated from their father, all I really had as my outlet because I had the kids 100% of the time was the gym. So that 45 Mm. that I'd put them into the creche at the gym was my 45 minutes to really just calm myself in regards to my situation and I did that almost immediately after moving out. So I was breakdown central for the first couple of months so that that gym time was my outlet. I had a great trainer who would just talk shit with me for 45 and and it made me feel like a normal person again because obviously when you're by yourself with your kids 24-7 you become just a mum in your Mm -hmm. own head and to have that outlet made me feel like okay no I'm still Lauren I've I'm still that same person. I'm still super fun. I'm still that girl I used to be. I've just got a lot more responsibility now. So when I was in the gym, I just felt my best. And then I thought, no, I need to do this for other people. I need to highlight how much this has changed my life and maybe it changed someone else's. And that's when mental health started to become a lot more, um, not commercial, but it was definitely out there for a lot more to see. And it was just great timing that those two kind of meshed up. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you are very much in the public eye and a lot of the things that you've experienced has been, you know, sort of I think your audience has experienced with you, you know, leaving the kid's father and all of the things that have happened in your life over the past few years. Mm. Do you feel like social media is a help or a hindrance when it comes to your mental health? Uh, It can be both. Because everyone's got their opinions, right? Yeah, it depends how you choose to see it. I'm a massive believer in unfollowing people that make you feel like shit. Yep. I myself have just done recently a massive cull unfollowing. And I better check that you still follow me. Yeah. No, of course. (laughs) No pressure. (laughs) (laughs) But it's like I just – anyone that follows me would have noticed that the last couple of months I've definitely done a decline in the amount of stories and the amount of posts I've done purely because – you give people an inch, they'll take a mile. Yes. And because I've shared that stuff in the past, my life's kind of lulled down, not lulled down a little bit, but a lot of the situations that have been going on in my life are things that should not be put on social media. So I'll be completely transparent when it comes to the emotions that I'm going through, but in terms of to the situations that are causing those emotions, when it comes to legalities and lawyers and custody and consent orders that's that's not something I believe should be shared on a public platform that's they're Mm. very private matters and I feel like sometimes they those things they stick on the internet forever and I don't believe in bad mouthing and doing anything like that so that's why I've chosen to kind of take a step back and process those situations and think about okay if the kids were old enough to have a phone, they wouldn't want to see this shit on the internet. Yep. So I'm not going to put something that could affect my kids online. Yep. So I've just taken a different angle where it's more, here's a situation I went through, these are the emotions and this is what I did about it. So rather than, I guess, doing a whole paragraph of whinge, there's a solution at the end. Yeah. So it's a justified whinge. 
and it can well, help a, someone. It's a winch that probably somebody else is wanting to have. And Absolutely. you're right, like getting to the end of it and going, well, hey, this is what I did. Yeah. That's where it helps people and that's where it makes a difference. And I think to your point around there's certain things that you don't need to share. There's other parties that are involved in a lot of that stuff as mm-hmm. well. And I think it is respectful to to keep that privacy. The kids... Obviously, as they get older, they'll start to get social media, which is terrifying in itself. (laughs) Um, Do you ever speak to them about mental health and anxiety? I mean... (laughs) The kids haven't really had a choice because I am the (laughs) queen of breakdowns. I will only generally cry if I've let something build up and build up and build up. And my kids are so good at seeing like, and being able to tell when mummy's stressed. I must be like a stress starer because I'll be (gasps) sitting on the couch or sitting at the bench and I'll have my laptop in front of me but I'll be staring at nothing. And Max would be like... Are you okay? Or Maddie will mention, you know, what are you doing, mum? Oh, no, no, I'm good, I'm good. And then Max will do the, are you happy? Are you okay? Oh, and I'm not afraid to say to the two of them, no, mummy's a bit bit stressed. They don't know what the word means. Mm. But then I sit down with Mad sometimes and this this comes and ties into when I ask her to do, you know, make her bed. Or can you take Maxie upstairs and brush your teeth with him while mummy just gets your bag together? Those types of things, that little things that I want Mads to grow up knowing responsibility. She's nearly seven. I feel like making your bed or taking your brother upstairs to brush his teeth isn't that big of a deal to ask her to do. Yep, absolutely. And when she's in one of her struts and she's just like, nah, nah, don't want to. And I'm like about to flip my lid. When I ask her, I get down on her level and, um, you know, face-to-face, I'm like, Mads, mummy needs you to help her right now because do you see mummy walking around this house cooking dinners, buying groceries, doing her work? You see her in the gym. You see her doing all this. She's like, yes. I'm like, she does that on her own. Now mm. I just need you to help me out a little bit. And then she kind of stops in her tracks and goes, okay. And I, you know, <laughs> some may not agree that, you know, saying the word stress in front of a kid is a bad thing but they're going to grow up and they're going to get stressed Mm. so it's just better that she understands what it is she's she's grown up really quickly she's grown up in being my second hand (laughs) the last three years she had to help me pretty much bring max up because the kid couldn't even walk when I moved out he was still crawling around not even that so she's had to help me over the years with just little tasks and, and you know both of us were the ones that saw max walk for the first time so I don't, I'm not afraid to, especially Matt, let her know when I'm not all right because she's very good at helping me get out of it too. Yeah, and I, I think there's a, a, lim- a limit to what you share, you know, having her understand that you've got a lot to do mm-hmm. and a lot of responsibility and that's why you need her help. I think that's completely reasonable. You know, children need to know that there's not a magic fairy that flits yeah. around and, <laughs> and does the lunchbox and does the, the teeth and all that kind of jazz. Do you think that you're a good mum? Absolutely. I think... So many of us really tear ourselves to shreds and I am very guilty of that. I have so many times where I've questioned myself. I still question myself and blame myself for a lot of things. Um, But like when I say it to myself, I've paid my own rent and bills for the last three years. They're still alive. They've got clothes on and they've eaten food every day. So I'm doing something right. 
I think all you need to do is take a look at the way that they look at you and know that you're a good mum and you are a good mum. You're yeah. a great mum. Oh, thank you. <laughs> now that we've just had a love fest. Yes. Um, how do you think that the anxiety and the history that you've had with mental health in- influences your parenting? Oh, God. I sometimes I feel sorry for them that they've got oh. me as a mum. <laughs> no. I am crazy sometimes. And I mean, whether it's I'm losing my shit for some reason or, you know, I try and lull that down in front of them, but, you know, um, or, you know, I like to think I'm heaps of fun. I feel like I'm that mum from Mean Girls. Like, oh, I'm not like a regular mum. I'm a cool mum. Absolutely. I'm you guys need anything? like that. Snacks. But, yeah, Conum. Exactly. <laughs> Love her. <laughs> I've always said, like, I remember when I found out my baby's sister lost a virginity. I flipped it. Oh. I'm like, you didn't tell me. God forbid my own daughter doesn't tell me when she does. So oh. I want to be that mum that's like her best mate, but then still, you know, I'm going to whip him into shape. Of course. It's always the way it's going to be. But I always, I always thought that because I've had them young enough where, you know, when Maddie's 20, I'll be... I'll be 42. So, like, technically, I'm still young. Oh, you can still go clubbing with her. Exactly. And that's why there's Botox and stuff. (laughs) I haven't had it yet, but I'm hoping by then, you know, Chris might let me go and get some. It'll it'll be even more enhanced by then. You'll probably only have to, you know, do it once and it'll be permanent. I know. They'll have, like, face freezing or something. (laughs) So, who knows? I could go back and look younger than her when I'm 42. Oh, God. She'd be like, stop it, Mum. Yeah. embarrassing. I know. I always wanted to sit at the pub and have a beer with them. So, hopefully, (laughs) they'll let me come along when they do. I'm sure that they will. I think you're you're definitely a cool (laughs) mum. Now, I think, you know, influencing kids and, and talking and being open about mental health is really important and I you know I try and always talk to Peyton about her feelings about how she feels about a situation because I think it is good to open that conversation mm. now tell me a little bit more about the work you're doing with living because that kind of um, amplifies that a bit more well I had been buying their gear for quite a few years and loved their message and the fact that they weren't scared to say the word suicide and they're, you know, trying to remove the stigma from it. And obviously that's one of my very biggest missions is to uh, kind of make people know that people that are suicidal have tried it and have come through it, they're not monsters. We're normal people experiencing normal emotions. And Mm. it's as someone that's been there and attempted, I have an actual insight as to what the brain is saying to you when you're doing those types of things and living was just an absolute fit for me and I emailed them every single year for (laughs) years and been knocked back countless times until one day I got an email asking me to go in there I thought stage five clinger paid off yeah I'm like you guys got so annoyed you wanted me (laughs) sorry I remember saying that when they were like okay Around the room, introduce yourself. I'm like, you guys just got pissed off at me emailing you every year, so you let me in. So <laughs> Dedication. It's really nice. Yeah, and I mean, the training sessions that I've done with them have just, oh my gosh, life-changing. It's given me insight into other people's mental health. It's given me insight into my own, into my own suicide attempts. It's absolutely insane, the work that they do and, and showing the importance of language and how to speak to people and how to understand it and how to differentiate mental illness from general emotion there's so much that 
there is to learn about everything like this and having the opportunity to learn with them is is awesome and I probably still would have kept emailing them every single year (laughs) until I got their attention so I mean being able to I've been into schools with a couple of their speakers before and and seen these kids and they sit and listen and to bring that up in high school I wish wish we had a live and talk come to us when Mm -hmm. I was in high school it may have stopped me from doing what I did and yeah, just having these kids open their eyes because obviously social media and everything's right in front of your face these days. There's no hiding from it. And when I was in high school, that wasn't a thing. Mm. So it, it's very rewarding, although mentally draining after being at talks and stuff, you do go home and you've taken on a lot of the energies from the people in the room and the experiences. And it does kind of take a toll, but... um you know, you work through it and go, everyone's got their own story yeah. and a lot of people don't share it and yeah. more people need to. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's the key thing is just opening up that conversation. Mm-hmm. If um, you were to give any advice to somebody who's supporting someone or trying to support someone who has anxiety, maybe it's a loved one or a partner, what advice would you give them? I always believe in giving them the grounds to open up and speak. It's not about providing a solution. It's about giving them the floor and letting them choose what they need to do to help themselves. And that way they learn what they need to do next time around. You know, when they tell you what's going on or why they're stressed or anxious, don't say, but at least... Or mm. at least it isn't like this. Yeah. Or, yeah, no, me too, this happened. They're not there to hear about you. When you are there to be there for someone, this is going to sound harsh, but you need to sit there and listen to them. And yeah. when they're clear-headed and they're out of the height, then maybe it's okay to kind of do the, yeah, me too, and go on with your story. But when you're there to help someone else, you need to focus on them. And I can't stress how important it is to just sit and listen. Mm. And it makes the biggest difference for them because once they start talking, they'll probably realise that they'll just go word vomit for the rest of the time and feel so much better at the end. And just ask them, what can I do to help? Don't tell them what they need to do to help themselves. Let them decide. That's the biggest thing. I love that. That's such great advice. It really is. What do you think um, in terms of somebody who's suffering from anxiety or perhaps any kind of mental health issue, what advice would you give? Talk. Whether it's reaching out to someone um, or I am very partial to online chats. I use them quite often. Uh, Oh, like a a random chat room? Yes. Yeah. So Beyond Blue have got one. Um, Headspace. There most websites, I always, I'm not a phone person. I'm not the type yeah. of person to jump on the phone. I will jump on an online chat. I always just search mental health online chat and something will come up with that time of day that's got one running and I'll just type it out. Writing's always been very therapeutic for me, mm. hence why I'm a blogger. So when I type it out to someone, it feels like I'm writing my story and it's gone. And it's lifted that weight off my shoulders. So that's one thing that I use quite frequently when I'm in the midst of it anyway. Because most of the time once I've started typing and I've said it to someone and they start replying with, you know, different help methods or, you know, kind of justifying that 
I have a reason to feel that way, but mm. then here's a solution. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm glad I did that rather than react in yes. a really serious way. And I think it's nice sometimes just to feel like you're not crazy or yeah. you're not alone, you know, and, and it's one of those things you can't always control your emotions. You can try and um, find a solution to it, as you said, but if you're in the midst of it, maybe it's just a matter of, of getting that out. Now, one thing before we wrap up, I like to um, talk a lot about trying to find yourself or reconnect with that person that you were before you became a mum. And I like to call it the me before mummy. <laughs> so what is something that you do to reconnect with the Lauren pre-children? Well, my partner, we've been together a little while now. We were best mates when we were teenagers and we used to party together. And <laughs> he'd be that guy that I'd always end up going home with and sleeping in his bed, but nothing ever happened. Like, we a, were, like a gay best friend? Pretty <laughs> Oh gosh, I'm <laughs> joking. Sorry, Chris. <laughs> it's fine. No, thank you. I, I might use that term for now. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but we didn't talk for seven years when I went off and had the kids. And we both had crushes on each other back then and never said anything. And then I somehow managed to move right across the road from him. Saw him on Facebook one day, reached out and found out that we were neighbours. So... The fact that my partner is also my old best mate from when I was a teenager, when we were wild, it's it, it's like when it's just us two together, it's like we were back then. We do, definitely don't drink as much, but... <laughs> <laughs> Probably better quality stuff now too. Absolutely. <laughs> we do more grown-up things, like <laughs> instead of going to GPO, we go to the pub. So <laughs> it's it's like we're just... Yeah, we, we needed time to grow up and then we reconnected in this absolutely absurd way. And it's I have flashbacks all the time where I'm like, oh, my gosh, if we had just said something 10 years ago, we would have been absolutely fine. Yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of like it reminds me of me when I was me and he makes me feel like I'm fun and I'm still that that same, you know, not the party animal, but I'm still good to be around he makes me feel really good about myself so that's Mm. like my thing that I really appreciate that you know obviously being having shared care with the kids we do get that time to ourselves and we can just be us again and go play golf and go to the pub you know have Mm. a go on you know a punt on the horses like just chill stuff that we used to do back then and that's that's definitely a big thing why i have come back to feeling like myself again and I'm not just a mum and you know I still do my scraggy mum bun most days of the week <laughs> but I'm still fun <laughs> of course you are and that's the cutest that's yeah love story and we were talking off air before I think you know it, it's looking at it in a positive light you have to almost go through those tough relationships or those tough times to really appreciate the good ones because mm-hmm. potentially otherwise you wouldn't have exactly are you guys gonna make babies <laughs> Everyone around us is doing it, so well, why not us? Just jump on the bandwagon. <laughs> uh, I know that he won't listen to this, so I can say it out loud, but his cousin might. But yes. <laughs> Yay! Yay. I, w- I, I would totally do it in a heartbeat, especially because everyone around me is doing it at the moment. Yep. So anyone's either pregnant or with babies, and I think it just shows in my face every time we go to see a friend with a baby. It's like, oh, shit, Lauren's getting the itch. Cluck, cluck. 
yeah, I'm not getting any younger. <laughs> maybe, maybe put it to him that way. <laughs> well, Romantic. He's, he's younger than me, so <laughs> it's only two years, but he hasn't hit the 30 mark yet. Oh, bless. So I'm like, oh, come on. He's a spring chick. Oh, Dan's six, six weeks younger than me, and I yeah. always, you know, explain to him that things were different in my time versus his. Because <laughs> I'm 87 <laughs> and he's 88. Anyway, we digress. <laughs> Uh, well, look, thank you so much for joining us today and for being so open and honest. I think that your story is really powerful and it's certainly impacted definitely more people than you would even know. And I think that's the power of sharing and, and people love to resonate with someone whose story is potentially like their own and to see them come through the other side. So thank you again so much for your time. Thank you for having me. The thing I love the most about Lauren is just how candid she is when it comes to talking about mental health. Uh, In my opinion, she's probably one of the first people who really spoke about the reality of it, um, along with a couple of other bloggers, of course, but she's always been renowned for really having that honesty and telling it like it is. If you'd like to follow more of Lauren's story, you can find her over on Instagram at at underscore Lauren Kate. Now, a few things that I took away from our conversation is particularly around anxiety. So anxiety, for those of you who haven't suffered it in the past, probably can be best described as the dangerous and negative voice inside your head that may seem simple to someone else, but when you're experiencing it, it can be all-consuming and it can be really difficult for anyone who's suffering through anxiety as it affects all parts of your life and you can't just switch it off. Now, Lauren touched on ways to try and manage it. So the most effective for her, for example, is meditation, finding some time for herself, but also using an outlet. So whether that's reading or working out or doing something that you can enjoy to help distract you from those feelings. Anything that puts you in a positive space is definitely going to help. I think the key here also is to recognize that mental health issues do not discriminate. So please, if you do know someone who's suffering, be conscious and cautious that it's never a choice. When you are there to be there for someone, you need to actually be there. Just focus on them and be ready to sit and listen. Always ask what you can do to help and not tell. And if you're on the other side of the fence and you are suffering, the advice given is to just talk. Talk about it, open up and speak because it will help you heal even if it doesn't fix things immediately. Now you all know how much of an advocate I am for making sure that you make time for yourself and reconnect with that person that you are before you became a mum. I like to call it the me before mummy. Now I want to give a quick shout out to at Shannon underscore Gibb who wrote a little bit of a different post this week, but it really resonated with me. She put a picture up on her social media with the caption, strong, confident, and in control. That's how I felt in this photo. For the first nine months, really, I just felt like I had spring in my step and and I've got this. And then something changed. Life became busy, more challenging, and all of a sudden, I just felt like a different person. I'm not sure what it was, but suddenly I had all of the excuses to not make time for myself. Now the months have passed and I can see how important it is to have that me time, to focus on who I was before a mum. I think that's really powerful and I think it's important for us to remember that taking time for yourself is not selfish, 
it's essential. So although it might be five minutes here or there, or it might be those little things that you do to remember who you are, you're absolutely allowed to. Now, if you want to do the same, you can share your activities on social media by using the hashtag TheMeBeforeMummy and tag myself at MummyRepublic so that you can share not only with me, but other mums of what you do to reconnect with yourself. But in the meantime, remember to take a breath, take some time for yourself and know that you're doing a damn good job. Thank you again so much for joining me. I cannot wait to share more stories with you. So if you haven't done so already, make sure that you click on that subscribe button so that you don't miss a thing. Thanks again. Lots of love and I'll see you next week. 